what we get with this one. Do we got do we got big boy sounds? We got little boy sounds. What kind of boy sounds do we have? Uh, Marshall, back to you on that one for how many boy sounds you had. <laughs> what is this? Oh. Snickers. Yeah. This is the show that we're doing, and it's really, really good. Yeah. Welcome to the show. It's a show. Welcome back, everybody. And here we are, back in the show. It's been a week or no, more. It, it has not been any nothing more Nothing has a changed. Week. We are on schedule, and nothing nothing has happened. It is and the, it is, uh, 15th the announced date of this podcast. Of July, yes, that's that, because that's what this that's today, and that's what we're recording. And this is when you're hearing that, yep. um, right? Exactly. Oh, wait a minute! It's July 25th. Uh, what? Where Where did we go? You, you guys said you were gonna. We, we followed your Instagram, and you said you were gonna post on the 14th, but but apparently not. What, what, what happened? Did you die? Are you the worst? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what could have possibly happened that would have delayed this this show because the show must always go on no matter what. What what even could stop this show, Marshall? Um, Saddam Hussein. If he was here in this room, he yeah. could probably do it. I would agree with, with that because he has guns and people with guns. Yeah, and I also don't. I don't know if I could fight him. One He's got on big one. muscles. I I I don't know if I could point out a picture of Saddam Hussein. And neither could I. Also, uh, apologies in advance for if there's like a, a humming on this episode. Uh, there's an air conditioner outside of our room, mm. and we don't have a lot of money our to room afford a pod. that we both live in. This is our bedroom. Okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, just give us money so that we can get a studio. Yeah, that's really. I mean, if you want it to sound better, then fix our problem. Stop or just doing about it. A silent and perfect air conditioner. Basically, for the if the audio is bad, it's your fault and not our fault, right? Yeah, and that, that's. I think this is how you develop a fan base, right? I was mm-hmm. doing some some research. Just yeah. insult the. Whoa! Oh, listen to these sounds, man. I'm just. Oh yeah! Oh. Just insult your fan base as much as possible. That was their yeah. fault, right there. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Ben and Marshall Do a Podcast, uh, the official podcast of The Great Scub Do. We talk about movies and other things sometimes, but mostly movies. Yeah. And today, we usually we talk about a movie. Correct. We've only... We've talked about multiple movies yeah, before. That's, that's true. We talked about Chinatown and... Uh, uh, mm. Yeah. We also talked about uh, movies with bad endings. Chinatown and... Good movies with bad endings. Chinatown... Chinatown and... Chinatown, Chinatown and Chinatown. I thought I was on my bookshelf, but I can't see it. Chinatown and. I mean, I'm gonna let you. I I got it, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maltese Falcon. There we go. <laughs> okay. Yes, classic episodes of Better Marshall Do a Podcast. Ten points um, if you knew it before he did. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> you ever see the meme when you know what the podcaster is trying to think of? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. there's, I hate when that happens. It's every single time. But uh, we are going to talk about multiple movies again this time, and it's an interesting concept. Well, we'll get there. First of all, first thing first. First, first, first things first. What's the first thing that's first? We got news. Oh, boy. What's the big news? Well, there is actually, I feel like there was a good amount of news that happened last week whenever the podcast would have gone out, and I can't find that anymore because it's a new news cycle. It's been two weeks. Fun. So 
all of those things have already happened. Go listen to something like the Weekly Planet. And, yeah, get out of here. Uh, if you re- if listen to their last week's episode, then you'll hear all that news. Um, but I do have two pieces of news. Are you ready? Ready as ever. Literally today. This is fresh news. Hot off the press. Well, breaking it's not good news. Presses. Um, Regis Philbin. The uh, yeah. the man, the um, famous TV show host, interviewer, and so on, has died. Uh, he was in his mid-80s, I think. Wow. And it's kind of wild. Like, the, he's one of those, like, he's just kind of a staple of, like, American television, of Western television. Right. That, like, you just, like, you see, that's Regis, you know, and he's the guy. It's like, it, probably the Look way that people that. felt that's when Regis. Johnny Carson died. Like he's such like right. a giant of that. So it like I, I mean I can't say that I always watched all of his shows or anything or really ever have, but it's just like No, yeah, I've definitely watched shows with that he has been a part of. Yeah, of course. But like I'm not Great watching analysis. Regis in in the morning, you know. Right. No, definitely not. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I thought it, you know, I, I would have given it a, a like if I saw it in a tweet form, you know, mm-hmm. it's like RIP. That's, I, think I, I think that's where I'm shared at. shared it on Facebook, I can't remember. Maybe I didn't, I don't know. I saw it on Discord, good old Drewski. Really? Maybe oh, that's yeah. where I saw Shout it. Shout out Drewski. He needs mm-hmm. to play Warzone with us again. I need to play Warzone. Drew okay. hasn't played Warzone with us in a long time, and I'm not okay with that. I missed so, it. Drew, I'm going to send you this clip later, Yeah. and I'm going to make you listen to the podcast. The whole thing, the from whole episode thing. one. So that you can hear this, so you play Warzone with us again. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Or you can listen to this episode in reverse until you get to here. Right. Two options. And then go forward again. Count. And but yeah, Regis Philbin, um, you know. Next piece of news. Interesting, maybe. sad news. And I do have R. one R. other piece R. of Regis news, Philbin. and that's basically that um, all of these things that were like, we're going to go back in theaters in August, and we're going to go back in theaters in November. And it's like everything is now just indefinitely delayed or moved to 2021, Tenet being the number one thing that kept getting moved and was like it's gonna save cinemas when it comes back to theaters and now it's indefinitely delayed when you literally cancel an entire year yeah it's uh you know a cancel sad culture. day this is what cancel cancel culture i can't talk this is this is why i need to be on twitter because i can type right yeah uh yeah cancel culture you know it's gone too far the joke doesn't work anymore i lost my momentum yeah so now we're here it would have been so funny it would have been like maybe a solid like four out of ten joke yeah but now that we've lost any momentum it's definitely going to be like a one out of ten joke that's okay caleb will laugh so that's caleb good. will laugh caleb uh will laugh hey caleb um i that's was talking to him his, his middle and last name caleb will laugh yeah i was talking to him the other day about how like we don't intentionally like try to bring Caleb up. He just like somehow comes up every single episode. <laughs> Has like, he? I, I don't even. Yeah, because I, I don't do it on purpose at all. Yeah, it's just like we suddenly think, oh yeah, there he is. Because I think it's like anytime we think of like a fan, it's he's the Caleb. only he's the only person who I know is even a fan he's or like the, cares the one about concrete, this show. This guy is like I know to that it. that's this is the one person that I know will be there. Yeah, Caleb, you we, are, you we are always the know that Caleb rock. will be there for us. Yes. <laughs> We will have at least one stream on this episode. What a guy! And if that's all we get, if we if we can entertain entertain our Caleb's and other Dumbo Bryans out the Dumbo there, Bryans. and the Dumbo Brian Nation, yeah, damn, I love that. I love that so much. Wow. I love how it's kind of catching on. See, that's that's a, that's my joke. I, yeah. I got I got one good joke. I heard somebody at uh, the Whole Foods say it. In really, the line behind me. Yeah, no way. It's like you're a real Dumbo Brian. <laughs> that's a lie. 
<laughs> that didn't happen. Oh, I was going to say, there's no way you've been at Whole Foods. <laughs> I have not. I uh, I was a super saver, though, and I got milk. Yeah, that's not Whole Foods. Did I, it was an entire food. Oh, nice. Good the whole job. thing. Yeah, I just want to get recognized. You know, so one of one of us, somebody out there who's listening to this podcast, recognize me somewhere, and then then I'll feel famous, and then this podcast will officially get a sponsor. Yeah, that's not Snickers. I've that. Well, I guess that's the news, isn't it? I was going to say I have one more piece of news, but I don't. Uh, what's? I mean, I feel like there's some news that we could talk about. Maybe um, maybe, maybe we take a, a special segment because I think this could just be news. You know, I mean, what? why why did we why did we not have a podcast? What happened? Well, that's apartment news. Oh, is that? I mean, I, I okay. Yeah. Well, should we start apartment news then? I guess so. Oh, I mean, it is that segment, right? Yeah. Apartment news, your number one source for news about Ben and Marshall's apartment, and now your host live on Linux, Benjamin Earl Weber. Wow. The end. Fiverr. Yeah, dude, that's, wow. I can't wait for him to say the end. Thank you, John that bon- we, uh, Johnson. Yeah, because, uh, okay, so now make sure and pause for when he says the end. Okay. Okay. Good, wow. That was there really he cool did when it. he said the end. Okay, bye. See you, ne- See you later, see you Fiverr man. You can sh- pick up your check on the way out. Okay. We pay him $5 every other week to do that. Give him a good old Fiverr. Mm-hmm. I, I actually give him, we give it to him in pounds. Uh, and oh. he has to do the conversion. It's a little bit more than $5. So, you know. How many ounces is that? Uh, 25. Oh, nice. Um, well, we have two pieces of apartment news. Okay. And one is kind of tied to the other. But the reason that we didn't have a podcast the last week or the week before that, I don't know. Um, I think the 14th was when it was supposed to go out. I believe so. Was on July 5th of 2020. You, you thought know, this year couldn't get worse? I know. Already? Every month there's a different disaster. Uh, we had the murder hornet episode and the next episode was, uh, I was on my longboard while well, I was at the telegraph mill and I was leaving the telegraph mill and I thought I'm going to go longboarding cause it's one of the few things that I enjoy these days right. and I'm able to go out and enjoy cause there's not a lot of things that you can do these days cause I've also been longboarding a lot more. It's a great pastime. It's a great time. I love uh, it. I highly suggest doing it. Yeah. Uh, maybe you would too. So I don't do know. I, you know? Uh, but I go get my longboard because it's like always in my car. And a little bit of context: you just got a new longboard, I like did. brand new Sector Nine. Yeah. You know, new bearings, new trucks, yeah, and nothing yeah, tightened yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going brand new anyways. bamboo, fresh grown. Oh, fresh grown bamboo. And uh, I like the first hill that I get to, I start to go down this thing and get like a million times way too much speed and just fly off the longboard. And like slam my wrist into the ground and I scraped my face up a bit. My computer is turned off for some reason. Oh, the mouse is off. Um, That's what happens when you fall off your skateboard. Your computer automatically goes into sleep mode. Yeah, just like I did. Just kidding. I didn't pass out or anything. But I was like on the ground and my leg was bleeding a little bit and my face was bleeding a little bit. I could taste it in my mouth because it was like it got scraped up right here. I'm pointing to my my face. Thankfully, it was fresh bamboo. It was fresh bamboo, but uh, uh, I was like yelling for help and screaming for help, and no one's around. I did actually see uh, like a father and son, and they just like kept walking. It's like this really inspires my faith in humanity as I'm like desperately screaming for help as I'm in horrible pain right now. And then I look down at my wrist, and it's like the ball of my wrist. Everything is still self-contained, but the ball of my wrist was like around like twisted around where it was not supposed to be. So that's when I start like screaming and cursing for help. <laughs> and I was like, oh, jeez. And it was not good. Did you pop her back in or what? No, it was not. 
dislocated. Right. But uh, when I, I called the ambulance and I, I saw a guy come by a few minutes later and I, he grabbed my board and my glasses for me. My glasses inexplicably completely untouched. No scratches or anything at all. That's a positive. Yeah, well, they're $20 blue light blockers, but oh, whatever. Well, okay, I mean... But like in the ambulance, the, or the paramedics finally show up and like I'm immediately pumped full of adrenaline. I just stand up and I'm like, uh, hey, dude, can you... I just fell and hurt my arm. I called the ambulance. I'm fine right now, but can you pick that up? Because I don't really have a spare hand because I'm talking to the dispatcher on my phone. And <laughs> so I've got the phone in my hand and then this hand is like twisted in a circle and like the exorcist which is nuts i'll talk about that later watch the exorcist and uh in the the ambulance or whoever it was to, uh, they, like the apparently the official medical terminology terminology is that i had an obvious deformity <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's really encouraging guys thanks so yeah, so I broke my arm, my both of the arm bones in the forearm are broken, and I completely ripped the tendon off where it connects like the wrist to the arm. So that was a couple different surgeries, and I'm in a cast, and I was living at my parents' house for a couple weeks. So that's what, that was my apartment news, is that I was not present in the apartment for a bit there. Can confirm uh, he was not here. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other piece of apartment news is the little basket, our stuff basket which was gifted to me by the campus operations staff. It was full of popcorn and uh, other things, a little plaque that uh, that you, like, put on a, a shelf, you know, like the kind of live, laugh, love things, except it was, like, a glass thing with the bat symbol on it, and it said, nothing's impossible until someone does it, which I'm not sure, how, and it's a quote attributed to Batman, the real right. fictional person. I feel like that's... You know, that might be a little bit of a dig. I don't know how that necessarily applies. Nothing's in, impossible. Until you do. It, it's you not know, impossible no to you break your wrist. Die, almost die on a skateboard, but you did it. Oh, I did almost die on a skateboard. If I was tilted a little bit further forward, I easily could have, like, cracked my head open. And it was a few minutes till that guy showed up. So, like, right. I 100% would have just bled out right there on Rocky Mountain Trail, which I, is I horrifying to think about. Works, but well, uh, Bleeding out? Yes. If I like smacked my head on the concrete, well, you could have came by. And you could have used the self res, bro. That's true. I could have revved myself. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know. It's I my guess... hugest pet peeve. Yeah, is it rev or res? It's res because you're res- you're resurrecting someone. Yeah, or well, you're no, reviving, reviving them. I think rev makes sense because that's reviving, and technically in cod, mm. or in cod, it's reviving. But I think those are two different things, though. I feel like yeah. Because you rev your engines and you you res someone. I, I think they're both correct, but like I prefer one is res. stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we have our stuff basket, and I took the stuff out, and uh, all of the uh, it had a ton of red tissue paper in it, and I took all that out, and it just looks like a nice basket that says stuff. So now we put like stuff in it, like popcorn and our cookbooks. Wow. Oh yeah, I have cookbooks now. Yeah. I made some lasagna. That was pretty cool. Did you make uh, the lasagna? I mean, my grandma said I could say that I made the lasagna. Okay. <laughs> I, I put some lasagna that was pre-made into the oven, but it was also homemade lasagna that was pre-made for me. I was going to be mildly impressed. Yeah. I mean, you know, I could I could make some lasagna. I could make that. Mm-hmm. It's in the cookbook. Oh. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I had a birthday. That was cool. Well, you did? Uh-huh. Now I, I can... I thought your birthday was like a few months ago when you got that mug. Uh, no. That was... When you got me that mug. Oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll... Uh, my birthday was July 24th. Don't don't check that. Don't look that up. Don't fact check that. Um, and that's I don't need... Yeah, that's all true, I got to say. though, isn't it? 
Don't fact check that. I think that. Facebook told me so. Don't fact check that. Okay. Not going to... Snopes will never know. Just don't look it up. Let's talk about this movie, maybe. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, that was apartment news. Yeah. I feel like it's time to oh, talk wait, about... Oh, wait. He said that. This is when he says the end. Wow, that was there pretty cool. There it is. Yay. We'll see if... Uh, Thanks, Flyver, We remember man. to put it in. Thanks for coming back, even Thanks though we said, hey... Hey. 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 You get out of here. You don't get an extra $5. Oh, you... Come on, you. Next week is not going to be this easy. All right, yeah. listen up. That's right. Look, I I'm going to make it. I'm taking it seriously this time. Taking it so serious. There's going to be such a really good audio gag. Hold on. It's, it's going to be it's so. Gonna it's going to be, be worth it. Oh, oh that, that sounded, sounded like so a cool. bad fart. What what what? Ugh, that was duct tape. Um. Oh my god, that was an amazing sound. Somebody clipped that. <laughs> Caleb wanna, sends us clips of the show. Oh, he does? Yeah. <laughs> he sent, like... Can you make a group chat with uh, Caleb right now? Text him? Can you send him a video of uh, of us recording the podcast live? That's too much work. We have to talk about Yojimbo. Oh, dang it. Okay. Maybe next time. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about... Uh, we're going to talk about two movies because we watched two movies. Uh, sort of watched one movie. We could have actually watched three, and I'll get to that later. But... <laughs> that was very confusing. We could have also watched four movies, but, or we could well, have watched one movie. We, we could have well, watched no movies, and we could we have watched could a have red wa- movie. We could have read two books, a movie, and then three more movies, and it would have all been fairly similar. Right. Okay, cool. So uh, Now I'll explain. Yes, please do. So we watched uh, the movies Yojimbo, directed by Akira Kurosawa, and directed or written by Akira Kurosawa, and... Um, uh, a Fistful of Dollars, directed uh, by Sergio Leone, and quote-unquote written by him as well. But, there's a big caveat there, it is a direct remake, and a r- rip-off is probably a more accurate term, and we'll get to the reason why later, of Yojimbo. It's pretty much the same, it is almost exactly the same story. Uh, and it's just, Yojimbo is a samurai movie from uh, Japan in 1961, and uh, Fistful of Dollars is from 1964. Wow. And it's a cowboy movie. I'm a cowboy. Kind of the first movie to really popularize uh, spaghetti popularize. westerns. And uh, there have been like 20,000, or not 20,000, but like 25, I think, spaghetti westerns. I did some research before this. but this And people quote, they're like, oh, it's the first one ever. It's, it was the one that made it really big. But right. there were other bad Italian westerns before that. Um, so here we go. Here's the story. Here's Yojimbo, directed by uh, Kira Kurosawa, starring uh, Toshiro Mifune as Sanjuro, a traveling, a wandering ronin. So uh, Sanjuro wanders aimlessly, uh, beautifully shown by him just picking up a stick and tossing it in the air and being like, well, I guess I'll follow where that pointed because I got nothing else to do. Yeah. I love that. It immediately gives the movie something to like or the character something to do yeah right off the get you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like he what is his motivation nothing yeah yeah it communicates everything with again well not again yet but no dialogue yeah so much so much good no dialogue yeah um he's wandering aimlessly and comes upon a family argument a son doesn't want to be a farmer he wants to go and join up with a gang and uh be a gambler and and whatever and the father is like i want to be a gambler yeah the father's like, don't do that. That's a stupid idea. And he goes and does that. So um, I don't love you. Sure. Um, so Sanjuro kind of follows I'm the kid like to the some degree. I'm giving like the notes version of what you're saying. 
Gotcha. So like the cliff notes of the cliff notes, you know? I have like um, so many more notes than usual, though. So let's just like push way through this and then we can do cliff notes okay, like dang it. All after right. the podcast. I was just trying to keep it entertaining for, you know, our, our listeners at home. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's that, I was uh, adding okay. a little zest and spice to our podcast. Okay. I'll try to make it entertaining. Um, so no, no, Sanjuro. No, I was doing. Oh, okay. So Sanjuro enters the town uh, that this kid was going to. Uh, and bystanders are watching from windows, seemingly afraid to go out. And as he's entering the town, a dog with a human hand in his mouth walks by, signifying, oh, this is a dangerous place, a lawless place. Something is up here. Something's going on. So it is torn. This town is torn between two groups, one uh, run by the brothel owner, Saibai Manome. I own a brothel. Which is, in this time in like feudal Japan, basically just the inn that's pretty much the same thing it's pretty much an inn yeah um the other one is uh ushitora shinden this is the apparently uh all t- sorry he's told this by the shrewd lawman who is kind of just not really doing th- anything about any of this um so shanjiro is like hmm, interesting and he goes and starts to walk towards one side i believe it's ushitora's side and is surrounded by thugs he turns back which out without much thought and heads to a the restaurant, the local restaurant. Restaurant owner tells him not to make trouble, and uh, he says, well, I'm going to make trouble because there looks like there's going to be money to ma- be made here. So he goes and talks to uh, one of the... He talks to Saibai, tells him he, he'll, he's going to want him as a bodyguard, and he can prove it. So he goes to the other side, provokes the thugs on the other side, and uh, cuts them down like they're nothing. Yep. It's a great little interaction just kind of like teases them until they decide oh we're gonna take this loser guy this dog we're gonna take him down and uh some funny dialogue as well there's no cure for fools he says to the casket maker two caskets no better make it three (laughs) (laughs) foreshadowing yeah um so sandro joins saibai but eavesdrops as he plans to kill him when the job is done the sheriff announces noon and a big standoff begins between the two sides um sandro cuts ties publicly with saibai because of his betrayal and very loudly announces it to the other side before just leaving to climb a tower and watch so the both sides kind of cowardly advance on each other until an inspector from the government is about to show up and they play like the town is normal so I love that scene. Yeah. It's so good because they're both like puffing their chests out and being like, we're going to take you down and we're the best. But like anytime either side gets any bit closer, they all like the huge gang on either yeah. side just will like back up and yep. then the other side backs up and comes forward and backs up. It's literally talking the talk and not walking the walk. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. And yeah. then literally he just goes up and sits on the <laughs> He's tower just watching and, like, and having a good time. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is going to be entertaining. Yeah. It's so good. And then also like, I think it's kind of funny how, you know, it shows that he's kind of outside of any jurisdiction because yeah. these guys, like they have to worry about, you know, the inspector, but even he's kind of just like, well, I don't really have to worry about you. Like, know, whatever, whatever happens to you guys doesn't do affect me. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it kind of separates him from them in that sense already. Yeah. So, um, now positioning himself to be like the big guy for either side, he goes back, Sanjiro goes back to the, uh, the restaurant and uh, Saibai's wife and Inokichi, the stupid little brother of uh, Ushitora, who 
Yeah, man. They get some good comedy out of him. The first yeah. moment when he shows up and talks to the coffin maker and the coffin maker's like, oh, business is good. Got three from your side. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and he's like, oh but uh, four from the other. And he has to think for like a solid 15 seconds about if three or four is a larger number. And then he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're pretty right. Good. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, that's pretty great. It's a good time. And he like counts all the numbers on his fingers. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's, just, it's the perfect kind of overacting that that guy does. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, the wife and Inukichi fight over Sanjiro. Ushitora has a man killed to get rid of the inspector and tries to hire Sanjiro. Uh, but Sandro like drives a hard bargain, so nothing happens yet. The next day, the constable is being suspicious. There's something weird happening. Um, Ushitora, uh, his younger brother, whose full name I can't remember, but they call him Uno, um, he's returned and suggested peace. Also, he has a gun, a revolver. Whoa. Which I was saying was interesting for the specific reason that it kind of places this in a time period more specifically. Right. Because up to this point, it's just, you know, samurais and thugs and everything. So this could be any time in feudal Japan to, you know, a non-expert. But now that this guy has a revolver, now we know this is probably in like the 1800s when the, uh, the United States is pushing for the closed down nature of Japan to stop. And it's much more of a Western expansion and happening and everything, which also gives an interesting perspective just to the story overall, because it makes Sanjiro himself a bit more, I guess, realistic. Right. Because if this was like a seven, if this was seven samurai and he was walking around acting like that, it would be kind of weird because he's not like the super honorable samurai necessarily. And he's not like following a Lord which would place it even earlier than Seven Samurai. Yep. So this puts it further on when it's not necessarily that really lords and emperors system necessarily as much anymore. It's kind of becoming more Western. Yeah, and they don't use uh, exposition in, in the form of dialogue to get all those points across. It's all yeah, like you're it's saying, just the very story visual happens, and and every you know every single part of the movie is used. To, to further further the story, which is, you know, I mean, any good movie is going to have that. But mm-hmm. the, again, you know, you could say this is a master class on, you know, whatever on, on how to do that, because every shot there's a lot of detail. There's a whole story being told within, oh, yeah, with, within each one. The acting is also great. It's a great just combination of all disciplines in a movie. And mm-hmm. like, even though it's black and white and shot in, in a, a long time ago, I think it holds up a very 100%. long time ago is 1961. Can you even how crazy is that? It's. I mean, that's a while though. In, in, in the terms of filmmaking, I mean, they were they yeah. were still only able to shoot on film back then. There mm-hmm. was not a, a, no such thing as a digital camera. That's true fact. They didn't have any big budget, you know, special effects to cover over uh, lack of story. That's true. Um, it was all out there. All their all their junk was exposed. Oh, here's a note that the I junk had. was not in the trunk. I a joke you have? No, a thought that I th- had this thought at the in at this point in the movie oh right of the way that he like that sanjiro holds his arms in his kimono just like as a resting stance yeah, yeah. i First noticed that all, the entire time looks I super cool and super tough yeah like just the fact that he's like hanging out all the time yeah it made me wonder if that's like a regular thing you know because well, like, uno kind of did it too right because like you know it could be kind of like having your hat backwards you yeah. know what i mean well then the thing that i immediately thought of is Clint Eastwood's poncho. Right. Is, 100%. Was that intentional I exactly to compare it that. to that? Yep. To give him that kind of like 
I don't know, casual, not necessarily casual, quirk, but like, like, like it's almost like it's uh, a visual similarity. I think again, like you, we were talking about how everything has like, you know, every element of storytelling is there. I, I think you can still tell a story with costume. And so it could oh, be yeah. like the costume designer saying on both of those projects being like, Oh, I see what they did there. So obviously they're going to try and have some sort of personality driven costume item, something that differentiates the main character from yeah. everyone else. So legit, you know, like then, cause Sandro has these super simple Ronin robes. They right. have a crest on them, which is yeah. interesting to me. It makes me wonder what his like and history did you is. See that, like the other samurai had the same markings uh, from, or it looked like the same. Markings yeah. It was probably on. something like some other kind of flower. Okay. Got yeah. It. But then they, the other they, thing is like then circles, they so mention the mayor earlier in the movie. And then right. at the end he comes out and you know it's him because he's got like these regal robes and everything. Yep. And they're talking about him like uh banging his prayer drum to uh because he just wants all this to end. And he comes out in his fancy robes and he's just like smacking his drum like crazy and you're like, right. Oh yeah, it's the mayor. Yeah. It's uh, the mayor. They also <laughs> they also show like him earlier in the movie when Do they? they're yeah oh when the inspector comes to town yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you already have that yeah uh back to the plot uh so sandro delivers um uh, what is happening here oh yeah so there's a suggested piece and sandro is not about that because that's the stop of the battle which is the stop of his money making um so he overhears the men that uh ushitora hired to kill the magistrate in the other town talking about all about it so he captures them and uh tells uh he goes to let's see oh he delivers them to saibai right as a kind of like you can blackmail them and take these guys to the to the law and it'll get rid of them but then he goes to ushitora and tells him that one of saibai's men caught them and they've now once been again been pitted against each other so uno catches one of saibai's men and forces a trade uh, the sheriff announces the time, and it's time for the trade. But it's a trick, and Uno shoots them with his gun. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man, I got a lot of burps from that lasagna all of a sudden. But saibai has got another hostage, and things are even again. And it's this woman, and we don't know what the deal is with her at the moment. Uh, the next day, Saibai and Ushitora themselves make the trade. The trade is of a woman, Ushitora won in a, a gambling game of some sort, whatever kind of game it was. I don't know if they specified. Or I think Not he important. like lost he, he he lost some sort of gambling game. Probably blackjack. I don't know. Probably not, because it you know, that's assuming America. Well, the husband uh, lost the game. Right. And so it wasn't necessarily for the wife. It was for like uh, some sum of money. Yeah. And he didn't he have wasn't enough. able to pay for it. And the guy was talking later in the movie about, you know, he would have just lost his house, but they also took his wife because she was beautiful. Yep. Um, so Sandro is disgusted upon hearing this story about all this. He kind of keeps a cold exterior, but he's like very like visually like he knew that these guys were bad and he wanted to just play them for fools and everything. But now he's like, this is, these guys are evil and they suck. Um, It almost, it's almost like he takes it uh, with a different level of like, you know, gravity, you know, like he's more serious about it. He, it's, it's more personal to him now. For some reason. We don't know why. Maybe he's got something in his past. I don't know. There's a lot of, like, built-in things about this character. I wonder if... Yeah, definitely. I yeah. mean, maybe other the other movies maybe expand I don't, on Yeah, because there's only the one sequel with right. this specific character. So yeah, I don't know I don't if... Know. I don't know. And I mean, and maybe it's, it's in this, the, the form of, like, the same thing with the man with no name. Right. We don't get... 
and we'll get into more comparison later, but like there's not as much of a character in the man with no name as there is in Sanjiro. Like right. he plays it a lot deeper. Mifune does than Eastwood does. Cause the man with no name, Joe in this case, right in the first one, he's called Joe. He is just kind of a clever guy with a heart of gold at times. And, He's just cool. He, yeah. But he, Sanjiro, I think has it speaks a lot to the difference to between a samurai and a cowboy. Which, sure. from from what from an interesting thought that I have with this movie is like, you know, I mean, we we probably view samurai in a way different way than you know they actually were, and you will look at maybe like the actual quantity and think of like, okay, what if a samurai did come to a city? Like, you would want him to protect that city because he might yeah. actually be that talented or like have a different degree of combat like that, especially in that time period where, again, there might not be lords or like an organized thing going on. Yeah. And I think also, you know, like the, one of the things with the cowboys is like, well, in the same way, samurai thing, it's like his time is about to be over, especially with guns coming in yeah. and whatnot. So there's kind of some different undertones. But, uh, you know, just knowing a lot more about about U.S. history and just all the stuff that goes into that with the man with no name, it's he's just really, a random guy. It, yeah, it, it's just a different. It's a it's a time in in history where you didn't have to have like roots. There wasn't you know mm-hmm. you didn't really have an identity. You could kind of just go and live life how you wanted to. And so for him, he doesn't have anyone that he's connected to or any like core beliefs that like. Whereas with the samurai, you know that they have some sort of tenets. They yeah. all have something that they're like a, a consistent viewpoint, you know, hmm. whereas the man with no name, he isn't tied to anything. He's literally a rogue. He doesn't have any reason to care for anyone. And if he does, that's again, only out of the kindness of his heart and wouldn't be any tenants, you know, or only due to his personality and decisions. Interesting. Um, so since he's disgusted by this, uh, gambling thing, that's a good thought. I don't mean to move on no, too quickly. Good. Well, I mean, I didn't really um, have anything, anything else to say. Yeah. So Sanjiro, disgusted by this whole story, uh, goes to Ushitora and joins him in a play to save the woman. Yeah. Uh, he tells Inokichi uh, when they get to this place that all the guards have been killed. Go tell Ushitora. And then he goes and kills all the guards. Yeah. Which just absolutely is destroys so good. them. The sword play was interesting. I, I yeah. thought, I mean... Yeah, it was it was interesting. It's probably pretty realistic. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm not you know witness to a lot of samurai battle. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's it's a lot of slashing, which is probably accurate. But mm. yeah, I, I thought. It'd I mean, be more yeah, it's gruesome. not really a stabbing weapon. Whoop. Oh, we got a we got our our total uh, high total quality uh, diffuser uh, sound thing that you're not hearing and is not a towel over top of the microphone. Sorry yeah. about that, listeners. Anyways, let me. Do, I'm just gonna push through the to the end of this and then we'll Sounds go back good. and do notes. I'm almost uh, through it. Um, but yeah, he saves the woman and, uh, gives all of the money that Ushitora had just paid him to the woman and her family and tells him to get out of there. Like, how can we thank you? How can we thank you? And says, don't leave, please just go. And, uh, as soon as they leave, uh, he also like threatens to like kill them. Yeah. If they, which is a very samurai move. Yeah. It's very funny. I mean, He's to like, me, one thing that. Annoys me more than uh, is is weaking weaklings groveling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very uh, Monty Python in the Holy Grail. <laughs> the God comes out of the clouds like, oh, holy Lord, holy Lord, and they're like, quit groveling. There's nothing I hate more than a bunch of idiots. And it's <laughs> this version of God is just so tired of people giving him such 
uh, <laughs> such praise He's all like, the time. I get it. You, like, you wrote geez. so many songs about me. The freaking Psalms, a thousand of them. That David guy. Aha. Um, you guys are total kiss ups, dude. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Crazy freaking brown nosers down there. King Arthur. Um, but yeah, as soon as they get out of there, all of the, uh, the cavalry gets there. And they're like, what happened? What happened? And uh, Ushitora, not Ushitora, Sandro in the meantime has totally trashed the place to make it look like it was a million guys that went and destroyed him. And he tells Ushitora, like, hey, I should have, uh, I don't know, I turned into John Wayne. Did you hear that? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I should have gotten more guys to fight him in there, Pilgrim. Um, that's my John Wayne, I guess. Um, John Wayne. So he's like, man, well, I guess Saibai must have done this. So in retaliation, they go and burn down the silk shop. So then Saibai goes and drains all of Ushitora's sake, which is very unfortunate. Poor yeah. guys. Um, so they're just like retaliating and retaliating and retaliating. And the coffin maker is now sad because according to him, quote, when the fighting gets this bad, they don't bother with coffins. And there's just like bodies in the street and everything's on fire and everything. Like it's visually gotten much worse. Right. Um, like it's bad at the beginning, but like you're seeing it like just devolve further and further. So Uno shows up and in the restaurant and seems to know something's up, figures out that Sanjiro killed those men, but doesn't have any proof until suddenly he finds a thank you note that was uh, just delivered to Sanjiro from the family that he saved. So Sandro is captured by Ushitora and is just beaten and they are trying to figure out where that they went and everything. He obviously doesn't know. He wouldn't have told probably even if he did know, but uh, he just gets beat like crazy. And then Sandro pretends to escape, allowing him to escape. So they're looking all over the place trying to find him and a uh, big battle ensues and people are dying all over the place because uh, they figure, well, he must be going and hiding with Saibai. So they go over there and they're like, this is this is it. We're going to just like burn the place down and and take him down, whatever. And Saibai surrenders eventually after all this bloodshed. And Uno just kills him and his son. And Sandro watches from a distance and gets the old man to trick Inokichi into helping him save Sanjuro without him knowing, which is very good. Oh, genius scene. And then, like, at the end, he's like, oh, let me help you. He's like, no, 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 do this. And then, like... <laughs> like, weren't you looking for someone? He's like, oh, oh my brother's gonna kill me, yeah! <laughs> and that was, all, like, it's it's good that that was already established, yeah. like, you know, just a, a, a funny he's thing. He's an oaf. Yeah, but, like, the even that same, like, idea of, like, like the way they respond to that, he there's another point in the movie where, where he responded just like that. Yeah. So you know, again, like every people are constantly like stroking his ego, being right. like, "Well, if I was as big and brave as you, <laughs> yeah. and like that's how he gets him." Like, well, there's ghosts in this place, and if I uh, only someone as brave as you could face it, there's no one else that could help me. Right. And they get there, and he's like, "Well, I don't see any ghosts." Like, well, they only appear to someone as cowardly as I am. Right. That you right. you wouldn't see them at all. <laughs> it's yep. like classic. It's very good. Uh, so yeah Sandro hides and rests for a few days in this uh, little old decrepit temple that's not really being used anymore and the coffin maker shows up and says that the old man has been caught trying to help him and he brings Sandro swords and Sandro returns this is bum, bum, bum. a great sequence this whole final thing is so so good yep. in both movies Sandro yeah, returns I, to town where the old man is on display. They've strung him up trying to get him to tell him, well, where, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Uh, nine men. I made sure to count. Nine men 
advance on Sanjiro, including Uno and the giant guy. And Sanjiro, having, we've seen him like throw a knife super accurately. He's been practicing for a few days now. Um, he throws a knife at Uno and gets him in the hand so he can't shoot him. And it's very cool. And he goes and kills the rest. And then the kid, the guy, the one that's cowering, is the kid from the beginning. I don't know if you caught that. Yep. yep. So I thought that was really cool. Or he's like, go and be a, go and live in like squalor right. and be a farmer for the rest of your life. Go live in misery or something. He says. Right. And like being, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's like living in misery is better than being a jerker. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Um, right. So he's defeated everybody. Uno is still. Almost dead. He's not dead yet. He asks for his gun back, and Sandro just gives it to him. And Uno's like, I won't shoot you. I won't shoot you. He hands it to him, and immediately is like, starts smiling. It starts to point it at him, but then he doesn't have like the will to do. He's not strong enough. He's about to die, and then he dies. And the whole time that like he's trying to point the gun at him, Sandro's just like calmly sitting there looking at him. Yeah, and it's like stress level zero. Ass. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. Oh, I would not be that cool if I was about to get shot. Then the mayor comes out in shock with his prayer drum as the fighting is finally over. And he's just like frantic that like this has been going on for so long and it's finally done. And the town is just like completely destroyed and all this stuff. Both sides are completely pretty much everyone in the town is dead except for the coffin maker and probably the geishas and uh, um, the old man. Yep. And like the, the the final lines are so good, Sanjiro turns to the old man, and says, "It'll be quiet in this town now." Literally, then frees the old man from his bonds, which yep. I thought was a cool visual and symbolic thing, where he like takes out the sword and slices it, yep. the ropes off of him, and then goes, "See you around." Yep, and leaves, heads out. Baller, Yojimbo. Okay, right into fistful of dollars. Here we right. go. Let me, it's a separate note. Um, my first note, this remastered Blu-ray looks fantastic. The last time I watched it, I think, was on a really low-res thing, and right. it was just like, this is trash. Um, oh, I watched it separately on my own Blu-ray disc. Yeah, also looked great. Uh, little Boy runs to, now we're talking about Fistful of Dollars, starring Clint Eastwood as Joe, the man with no name. He's Joe in this one. He's Blondie and Good, Bad, Ugly. He's got another name in the second one. Um... Here we go. Little boy runs to a house to see his mother and is shooed away by bullets uh, and bandits. Uh, Joe goes into town where he passes a dead man on a horse riding out of town, just kind of like the dog with the hand. I should say my notes in this one aren't as much play-by-play as they are comparing um, the same kind of story beats and everything and where it deviates. Right. So it's not quite as detailed, but it's all there. Joe is greeted by the bell ringer, who takes on the role of the constable in this one. Uh, and tells him that the Rojas and the uh, Baxters are the two factions in this one. The Rojas are... um, I wrote it down in a minute here. We'll get to it. Joe is set upon by some thugs and, like Sandro, isn't bothered and meets the cantina owner as he goes the other direction instead. Um, Joe goes to the balcony and surveys the town. Um, The Rojas are Ushitora, so they're like the the you know bandit type characters the worst guys and the baxters are saibai so they're like the quote-unquote law-abiding ones even though they're just as bad right um joe's motivation i noted is more money as opposed to sanjiro where 
from the start, he's kind of more about the morals of it than he is about right. the money, but it's still the money. And again, I think that's kind of what I wanted to point out, like with the, the history and whatnot. A samurai as opposed to a random guy yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And and especially like just it being, you know, I mean, was it, it was set in America or was that Mexico? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a good question. It was Mexico. Okay. Because it's at the beginning when there's the exchange, it's the American government coming to the Mexican right. government on the Rio Bravo. So it might be... Well, and they refer to people coming down from Texas. I think it might be just south of Texas. Okay. So that that would make sense then. Yeah. Uh, Well, but, but, you know, being an American or whatever, it's like, yo, you know, money, it's a bigger emphasis in our society, whereas like honor and saving face would be a bigger emphasis in Yojimbo, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it would would change on like what would be admirable about those two like figures that are kind of share the same like space respectively, I think, within their cultures, you know? That's why for me, like a lot of things in this one, as opposed to Yojimbo, it's wild how many things like translate really well from this completely original script samurai movie to a Western. It's very strange how many things translate super well, but there are quite a few things that to me, like story points and stuff that kind of fell flat because they had to change the motivation and it didn't work as well for that reason. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the, the the stolen wife and everything, that whole really important inciting incident, all of that seems to, to me to kind of fall flat in comparison yeah. to Yojimbo, at least, in Fistful of Dollars. I can't even really pinpoint why, to be honest with you. It just mm-hmm. it definitely does, though. Yeah. Um, here we go. Here we go. Let's roll. Uh, Joe propositions the Rojas, like uh, Sanjuro, go, and goes to pro- prove his worth, get three coffins ready, goes and shoots four guys. My mistake, four coffins. Joe meets with Miguel Rojo and joins them. Esteban and Miguel conspire to kill Joe, and he overhears. <laughs> Joe leaves, uh, but he doesn't leave their gang. He just leaves that group uh, or that area. He doesn't stay with them. So the military comes through town. Joe follows them out of the town uh, with the canteen owner to see what's up. Uh, the U.S. military, I think the Confederates, meet them and start to make an exchange, guns for gold. But it's actually Ramon Rojo, who's been getting talked up a lot. He's the cool, dangerous one. And his men, disguised as... Um, the American military. They kill them and take the gold, them being the Mexican army. So Ramon is supposedly attempting peace. Uh, We don't know why yet. Joe decides to leave. Ramon is just biding his time with this peace uh, because he knows the government is going to come investigate when they find all of this killing happening on the river. So um, Joe and the cantina man take uh, two dead soldiers to the graveyard, and this is to stop the peace, just like in the other one. Joe tells the Baxters and the Rojos about the men as though they are alive and can be witnesses to what happened, and uh, like the men who killed the magistrate in Yojimbo. Joe stays behind while everyone races to the dead men uh, for one side as damning evidence uh, against them and for one side as damning evidence against the other side. They both need to get these people um, to get rid of each other. Uh, Joe stays behind while everyone races to get to the dead men uh, who they think are alive. Joe sneaks inside to find out what is in the Rojo's storeroom. The Rojo's and the Baxters have a stalemate at the graveyard. The Rojo's shoot the men thinking they've killed them and they have now been silenced. Ha ha. We won. Just kidding. They were already dead. You're an idiot. Uh, Joe heard someone coming into the storeroom. Punches them. Oop. It's the woman, Marisol. The Rojo's return with the Baxter's son captured, but Joe takes Marisol to the Baxter's and an exchange is arranged. Um, So they have the whole like emotional exchange and this is the 
part that like really, really was just nothing to me. For one, because the kid in this one is insanely annoying. Dude, his sound, I don't even know how they got that annoying of a child it's sound. It's so bad. It's just And it's partially because it's a spaghetti western and it's all dubbed over and that's you right. know the way that it is. But it's so, so bad. Whereas in Yojimbo, it's like much more a real character and you're kind of more connected to the child. Like everyone. I think also the father in Yojimbo seems like more of like a respectable person. Yeah. Whereas like in, the, in this one, it's just, just like he's there. there. It's a guy like yeah. you get to know everyone in Yojimbo a Definitely. lot more than you do in this one. Yeah. The people in Dollars, I think, are much more caricatures. Right. They're very much more one dimensional, like Western Even like the st- stereotypes than yeah anything and like the Yojimbo. store owner had way more motivation in yojimbo and like more emotion yeah and you felt like his motivation was a bit clearer than he's one of the best characters in the movie definitely yeah whereas in fistful of dollars it's just again he's kind of he's there. a guy who's along for the ride the entire time yeah and he's he kind of just the story happens to him and that's it yeah mm-hmm. definitely no nothing no decisions yeah made. and like especially in the exchange scene in yojimbo I really love watching the uh, the restaurant owner, the way that he like interacts with the kid. Like he's clearly got a connection with this family. Right. Like he's someone of some sort of standing in this town. And it shows that like that they are really are the bad guys for doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It gives it more weight. Whereas this one's like, wait a minute, what if this dude is not like a you know the guy isn't a great husband or what you, you don't know any of that stuff. Whereas yeah. the other one, he's like sleeping outside, even though he knows he's going to get beat. Like, like that one line where he has where they're like, well, if you go back, you're going to, they're going to beat you. You know that. Right. And he's like, eh, I don't mind it. Yeah. And just like, you're like that, that shows you so much more. And Marisol doesn't and, seem to really resist any of this at all. She's just kind of like an item that gets tossed around as yeah. opposed to the wife in Yojimbo, who is clearly not wanting to be involved in any of this. Right. Yeah, a lot more obvious for sure. Mm. Um, Granted, I, I I will say, I mean, she she's not like totally. I don't know. Actually, like they're at both the end, kind of fairly indoctrinated. Yeah, at the, as far as like the like their characters and what they show, I actually kind of did like Marisol a little bit more because mm-hmm. like I think by her, the end, yes, yeah, like her performance at the end where she or like when she goes when they're doing the exchange and she goes over to the kid and like they have that moment. Mm-hmm. I think I like that better with uh with fistful of dollars then interesting could be also how it, how it was shot i, don't I know. thought it was kind of weird and dumb how like no one stops it at all no one even tries they just kind of watch it happen right for like what feels like a very long time and again and then the husband comes out and that's when there's a problem suddenly right yeah like if the kid well, can I mean, hang out then why is this well because it's like i mean kids and women are kind of on the same level in that society maybe i don't mm, know granted mm, mm, both very short yeah <laughs> it was pretty funny when they put her in the uh like the little the, like the cage basically they're yeah. like oh yeah get in there and she's like oh, all right bet whatever <laughs> like, oh um so yeah they do the exchange uh the kid's super annoying in this one uh <laughs> i wrote this down specifically um, Joe gets the full story about the family and does the same thing that Sanjuro does, kills the guys and sends all the money with the family. Joe's discovered and the Rojos beat him up and try to get him to tell them where they went. He won't talk. He obviously also just doesn't know where they went. Uh, Joe escapes the same way that Sanjuro does and the Rojos take the cantina man hostage. Um, the coffin maker helps Joe escape in a very similar way. He throws himself in a coffin and they get out of there. Uh, the Rojos blow up the Baxter house thinking that he's hiding at uh, thinking that they're hiding at the Baxter house and there's just a massacre and like it's pretty intense in Yojimbo but it's like gruesome 
in this one and it kind of yeah I, I wrote that down earlier and then like it just kind of goes on a little bit longer than i think it needed to and it kind of became comical right like because it's I like mean, on fire and they're just like shooting all these guys as they're running out of this burning building and like laughing maniacally i i don't think it's comical i think it's like i thought that was actually i i, I thought that was actually like genius in my yeah. opinion because it just showed like imagine yourself in that situation how how bad of a person you have to be yeah. to like ha- find that entertaining it's mm-hmm. more for me it was like it felt like it was it was there longer because it was just like this is bad and messed up and like yeah it gave you that like it made you uncomfortable and i think that's like in a way like a good thing oh 100 percent, 100 percent. i just think it's kind of silly that like with the length that the shot went on that, that scene was happening no one even took a shot at them really right it's like are you not even going oh, well that part yeah that's kind of that one guy had silly. his gun out drawn to- like to- towards them and yeah. didn't get a shot off like what is even that about but yeah it's like super gruesome and horrifying and like that's one thing where like the one note nature of the characters in fistful of dollars really comes out in a good way right. mm-hmm. where it's like these guys are just pure evil yep where like it's an interesting thing wherein i think yojimbo both sides are a lot more like it's a lot more ambiguous as to like are either of these guys better than each other even like right. they're both kind of like the saibais are much more like quote-unquote law-abiding Right. But they're like, you know, the gangsters who are doing the stuff under the table. And then Ushitora is just not even he doesn't care that people know that he's a bad dude or anything like that. Right. And then in Fistful of Dollars, the Baxters are almost just like good people yep. as far as it is portrayed. Like, oh, I'm I saw what you you just killed all four of them. I'm the sheriff. It's like, <laughs> yeah, cool. And that really is kind of that guy's defining characteristic the wife in both movies is really the leader of that side of the town oh definitely which i thought was interesting from a standpoint of it's the 1960s and this woman is the empowered one right which is pretty cool yeah no i mean i think uh i think that's the unseen side of like you know you look back and you're like oh well everyone was like that but i think at the same time some of the things that are set up in family and just in general and culture and stuff like the women does make a lot of decisions and also like you look back at what that kind of time was well no just, no just the way that you said that was you said women does make a lot of decisions oh, my, the, <laughs> i said the i meant to say the woman do, yeah, in the I, household. I, no, yeah. I, I was trying to just let you talk but it was too funny go ahead, go. <laughs> sorry women does make a lot of decisions do laundry mats make money does bruno mars is gay yes yeah uh no yeah but what i'm saying is like you know you look at the actual like percentage of household items that uh the like the the wife would be responsible for and and or for buying in a in a okay I can't even put a freaking sentence together. Today. I understand what you mean. Uh, like but yeah, there the, there's there a very significant part that often gets overlooked. Yeah, it's the frontier, and in a lot of so like long. the more um, the more romanticized westerns, right. they just kind of get, become like the damsel as opposed well, to, to reality when or, it was much more like everyone right. has a role and everyone's I, I, important in this. Yeah, I think like maybe more so than anything, it's like. Oh goodness! I totally had something great. I I can't. Well, I don't know what's going on. You're now. great, man. Yeah, hey, man, you're great. Hey, you're you're beautiful. Wait, what is it? Uh, you're beautiful, Keanu Reeves. You're breathtaking. <laughs> you're breathtaking. <laughs> it's like to the breathtaking vistas of Night City. You're breathtaking. No, you're breathtaking. <laughs> the way he stands. Like, it, no, it's you. It was kind of. It was a little cringy. Keanu is but that it, way a little bit, but Keanu he's just Reeves. so he's very lovable. Yeah, that. it's like when your dad learns a TikTok dance. Oh man, my dad is all about TikTok dances. Yeah, same savage. Uh, moving on. Next, Just next thinking plot about point. Your dad doing TikTok dances makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so they've strung up the Cantina man, and so yeah, Joe. Sorry, back up. The Baxters are all killed. Right, they're all dead. Um, Joe hides and recovers in a mine shaft, and kind of discovers that uh, by you know he's just shooting for fun, basically, and realizes that there's some like metal stuff in there that's really strong. Hmm, interesting. Which is also a fun callback to earlier when he. Uh, brings up the suit of armor that uh, is in the Rojo estate that Ramon or somebody, I think it's Ramon, it's Ramon, shot at and like made the shape of a heart on. Uh, Right, yeah. So that's a great, I think that... It's a really clever callback. We'll talk about at the end. Yeah. Which I I was going to talk about this anyways, so keep this in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Foreshadowing. Um, So he's just like, hmm, this metal is interesting, and he's doing something with it. You don't know quite what yet. Um, So then the cantina man has been captured. The coffin maker comes and tells him, and we got our final... Taco Bell hat. I found it on the road on the other uh, side of the street with some nacho cheese on it and took it home and cleaned it off. I, I wondered if you got it today. Anyways, sorry nope. for that. But the, uh, for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this podcast, which would be everyone. Did you take a picture of me in my arm yet? Uh, not yet. But we'll put yeah, your, put we'll put your Taco on. Bell hat on too. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, we get our big Yojimbo standoff moment. And Joe goads Ramon into shooting him in the heart. And he keeps shooting him and shooting him and shooting him. And he just gets back up again, which the first time he does it, and the first time you watch this and the first time he you're does like, it, you're Holy like, crap. what the What's heck? What's going on? Because there's even He's a line earlier game. where Ramon says something to him to the effect of a man with a rifle, old Mexican proverb, a man with right. a rifle will always beat a man with a pistol. Unless like, the, and then kind of like unless they're closer together, basically. Yeah, something. Because you'll never get the chance to even shoot with a pistol when a rifle could take you out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think also, though, I mean, the fact that like, he called his bluff with the heart thing. Yeah. I think was such a cool, that was something that they added to this one. That wasn't, I don't think, you know, beat for beat from Yojimbo. Oh yeah. And I, I think that that was my favorite part of the movie. Like just that foreshadowing and Mm -hmm. then like him calling and manipulating and messing with him. And like, it's almost like if he were to shoot him at a different, like body part, like he would be like giving up some, like it would be like he was still losing. You know what I mean? Well, he would be dead, but yeah, no, what I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, so it's in your mind, you're like, obviously you could just shoot him in the head or whatever, but he also takes it and makes it like his, like, he uses his pride against him in that yeah. and being like, Oh, you're losing your touch. Like, you know, like you, you can't shoot me in the heart. Yeah. Oh, uh, shoot I thought you the were heart. Shoot- yeah. Go for the heart. Yeah. So he like, he like insert Willem Dafoe, Spider-Man, the cunning warrior attacks, neither body nor mind. Tell me how the heart Osborne first. We attack his heart. Yeah. He, <laughs> he just like, we you attack know. his heart. <laughs> <laughs> He just, uh, he eggs him on, you know, and it, it, I think that's a little bit genius. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. You but know? the reason that he I, does that is because he has taken and shaved that metal that he had in the, in the mine shaft and he's wearing it like a bulletproof vest and it's underneath his, uh, his poncho. Dun, so he dun, gets dun. like super close and then he whips off the poncho and you know, if it was the good, the bad and the ugly, there would have been a right at that moment. Because it's this big reveal, and you get your spaghetti western zoom and everything like that. It's very good. But then yeah. he takes it off. He's close enough and everything. And, uh, yeah, Joe goes Ramon to shoot him in the heart. The heart, Osborne! Until he's nearly out of bullets. Uh, and then reveals the metal plate. Gun on the ground, pure skill. Joe is faster. 
and like he takes all the other guys out that are surrounding him which is a great shot yeah and then shoots ramon in the hand so yeah. then it's just him and ramon and then they throw their guns on the ground it's like whoever is fastest whoever can load their gun faster yep and they go and he's faster he takes him down right and it's very good such a good scene yep and then the bells start ringing the bell ringer starts ringing which is you know reminiscent of the mayor and his drum and then joe goes over to the guy unties him and all that well so long yep i'm out of here it's very good so those are those two things that specific the differences between the standoff at the end let me put my phone down so I don't need it anymore. The differences between the standoff at the end is interesting in that they just had to kind of get around the fact that the other one is built around swords and the other one is built around, you know, weapons that can shoot at long range. Right. So how do you approach that? How does Clint Eastwood get close? How do you figure that out? And that's where that, like, the thing with the metal plate in the heart is really genius. Right. Because that, like, is what allows him to bridge that gap. And it works really, really well. Yep. As opposed to Yojimbo with the knife throw which is just very cool yeah it's not as much of like an emotional beat as it is in um fistful right. of dollars yeah it's, it's a lot faster. but it's very it cool kinda, it just happens and then you're like almost like oh okay that just oh wow what yeah <laughs> the whole conflict in general at the end is a lot more drawn out in fistful of dollars yeah. as opposed to like where he fights uno and they do get that kind of like final conflict that final you know confrontation with right. him on the ground and everything but I feel like I like the the fight and everything better in Yojimbo, but I think the like emotional beat works better weirdly yeah. in Fistful of Dollars, a movie that up to this point hasn't had as much depth as right. Yojimbo. Right. But no, the, yeah. the I, end kind of I would say works that better. like just personally, I don't even know if this is like the quote unquote correct answer, but mm-hmm. I, I liked Fistful of Dollars finale a, a little bit better. Okay. Gra- saying that to say though. I probably overall like Yojimbo better and especially since it came first and you know sure. it was original and whatnot. But uh but yeah, in that in that instance I did like Fistful there. Yeah. What do you think of the scores in the various movies? Uh personally again, this is going to I mean this is weird. I thought I would like more stuff about Yojimbo. Yeah, do but, what you want. Uh, I do I I did it prefer and again this is prefer not like the other one is bad it's just like if i had our to choose, fan base are, are not kurosawa diehards that are going to come and attack you just yeah. say what you want to say that's a good point uh you know reddit might come get me all of our reddit you know from our subreddit yeah our subreddit uh our pewdiepie submissions yeah yeah, yeah our email the great scub dude no um yes. bmpod at gmail.com uh oh my goodness i totally love what the what's going on i can't even keep a train of thought today uh the music music yes sorry um, I liked, yeah, I liked uh, Fistful of Dollars a little bit better. Um, I feel like it had a bit more character to it, and it was a bit more mm-hmm. of a storytelling element. It's hard to beat Ennio Morricone. Yeah, and I think also, you know, it could be a different style of, of movie in Yojimbo where the music isn't necessarily as much of a part of it, you know? And maybe sure. even in Japanese filmmaking, it might be a different, you know, you might score a movie a bit differently, you know? I can't quite speak to that. I've only ever yeah, seen one other Kurosawa movie, and that's Seven Samurai. Right. I don't remember if it's the same composer or not. I think it might be. Right. Yeah, and again, it wasn't bad by any means. It's just I preferred the Fistful of Dollars soundtrack. Yeah. I, right now in my head, I cannot sing to you Yojimbo. Yeah, no. But I could sing Seven Samurai. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
I'm probably gonna get wa- like gonna watch the Seven Samurai after this. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of samurai movie that samurai movie. There's a lot of samurai movie. There are a lot of samurai movie. We could watch Sanjuro. Sanjuro is the yeah. sequel to oh, Yojimbo. Yeah. I kind of want to watch the Seven was Samurai one. Originally, though. it's very long. Oh really? How long? It's like three hours. Wow, that's a lot of time. It's good though. Yep. See, that's the thing is like I love these i love samurai movies i'm a huge like samurai and feudal japan junkie in the first place i have a cool copy of the bushido code and all that that we have on display because we're nerds um or losers i guess rather yeah but um uh like i'm a huge fan of this stuff in general it's just like you know it takes a lot of time and effort to sit down and watch something with subtitles which is frustrating because there's so many great movies from other countries. I didn't like mind Parasite. It, to be honest. I, yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I watch it, and it's not a thing that bothers me. It's just, like, I'm used to watching a movie and checking my phone every once in a while and stuff like that. Right. But you just, you can't really do that, or else you're going to miss something. Yeah. So, I, like, back to the music, though. For me, I, I think if I had to choose one to listen to all the time, well, to listen to all the time... If I did listen to it all the time, I would probably choose Yojimbo, honestly. But if I had to choose one that I thought was more iconic and probably maybe more musically interesting, I would easily choose um, Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, that's like pretty it's, accurate. It's, yeah. And, you know, then uh, I think this was Ennio Morricone's first collaboration with right. um, Sergio Leone. And then over there you know careers he just got better and better right he finally won an oscar for i think the hateful eight he did the score okay that um, makes sense. which it might have been posthumously i think he might have died beforehand or he, he couldn't make it and died Weird. a little bit later Oof. but um but yeah i mean his work in the good the bad and the ugly is incredible i right. really like the score too for a few dollars more yeah uh i think it might be the best one that might be my favorite movie in the trilogy people don't really talk about it um but i really like for a few dollars more um i've been having ticks which i do have like ticks i've had all over me the past few days so now whenever i feel like a little tingle on my wrist i'm like what the gross um sorry for the randomness i I had a little tingle on my wrist there are towards the earlier parts of fistful of dollars i thought it was interesting that there was like these little musical motifs that kind of sounded like they were trying to emulate oriental like traditional music right like when the guy goes by with the adios amigo sign on his back True. it goes into with like violins and stuff yep which could be interpreted as like western cowboy stuff but for me it like weirdly felt kind of like japanese which is weird since this was like a direct ripoff with no credit given right and like it, it's a strange thing that there would be a nod in that way. So I don't know if that was intentional or not. Yeah, probably But then for Yojimbo, I feel like as a movie overall, it embraced kind of the comedy of it a lot more. Yeah. But then the score really leaned into it as well. Like the funny moments had a much funnier score. And, and oh, you know, Morricone doesn't really do that. Yeah. Which is fine. But uh, there weren't as many funny beats in, you know. Yeah. Like there was times, dollars. there were multiple times in Yojimbo that I like laughed out loud. I had like, I would go. <laughs> Like <laughs> nice. I exhaled through my nose a few times. Yeah, like there, uh, there was just, man, there were some things that, it wasn't like crazy laughter like the video that we found from that guy or anything, <laughs> oh which is incredible. But and we can talk about that on next week's apartment news. Maybe, maybe. we should have talked about that. I don't, I don't think we have time for it now. But it's, 
I was impri- I was surprised. I didn't right. expect it to be funny. Yeah, but I, right, same I, here. There was like yeah. jokes. I was yeah, like, it was good. Is, I enjoyed it, and it was it was not like unironically funny too. It wasn't like aged humor or anything. It was yeah. just like, all right, that's that's just funny. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Which you know, it's Akira Kurosawa, who is now one of the most prolific all time iconic right. directors ever of cinema. Which is you know, it's like the first time I watched Seven Samurai. I was like surprised it was so good, but I was right. like, well, why should I be? <laughs> like, right, this yeah. is like. <laughs> arguably the most famous director who ever lived that makes sense so of course it's good <laughs> right right yeah but yeah um i don't know what do you so i guess i mean i don't know do you have any other Jimbo, yes or no I was, that's what i was gonna say uh yes absolutely yes. Yes. dollars yes or no definitely yes as well i mean yes. they're both good i mean you know if you had to choose if i had to it's choose the ultimate question if you had to choose not which one is better right but which one that i would you, watch if we were going to go watch one again right now Okay, right now, it would definitely be Yojimbo, but Me too. only because I've seen Fistful of Dollars mul- more times already. I, Fistful of Dollars feels longer to me. Really? It I was, thought it, it felt well, super short. That was the weird thing, too, is that, like, it was a strange thing where it, 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 I feel like it felt like it happened faster, but it didn't feel like as much was happening. Yeah, I think it's because of the level of, like, visual storytelling, so you were always, like, on the edge of your seat. I was a lot more interested and, and yeah. excited mm-hmm. with Yojimbo. Yeah, yeah, you were looking for what was going to happen next, but there were some, like, weird beats, I think, kind of like that one you were talking about where that shot's just a little bit long, kind of at yeah. the end, you know. There's certain things where they're trying to adapt parts of it that right. just, like, don't work as well with like with the, the, the two dead bad. soldiers it's just like when you see that it could have been what it could have been you're like oh that obviously is not yeah you know up to par like honestly up to this point i could not have probably described overall the plot synopsis of fistful of dollars to you and i've seen it multiple times <laughs> right 100%. but after watching yojimbo yeah i have a super clear understanding of that story yep so i think yojimbo Actually, overall accurate, is just yeah. a better movie yep. and tells that story a lot clearer yeah yeah, and uh, yeah, Yojimbo's great. You really never know what's coming next. You're kind of yeah. along for the ride. Yeah, even if you kind of gener- like know what the story is. Could be a, a dog with a hand. Never know what could happen That's next. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Well, apparently they had a lot of different things that they um, considered for like, Kurosawa told like his team, like come up with something for to be unsettling, to show this is a dangerous town. Right. And he didn't like any of them. So he just came up with the dog hand thing. <laughs> I like himself. that. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We both said yes to both things, and we both, if we're going to watch one right now, I think that I would, if I had to say, if, if I'm, you know, gun to right. my head, Uno's gun to my head, I would choose Yojimbo as the better film yeah. overall. Yeah, I think I, I would I would agree with that. This is, From I feel objective like, Leone stretching his muscles before oh, he gets oh. to his, you know, better movies in right. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly and Once Upon a Time in yeah. uh, the West. Definitely. Yep. You should watch that one too. It's very good. Oh, heck yeah. Let's do it. Um, so IMDB trivia. I've got a few facts for both movies. Okay. Cool. Are you ready? I am absolutely one ready. of these Born facts ready. is for both movies. Okay. Here we go. Yojimbo first. Akira Kurosawa told Toshiro Mifune, the star of the movie, who's also he's like, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio to Kurosawa's Scorsese. Like right. he's his guy Very he's in all this stuff yeah um he's in seven samurai he's in sanjuro the sequel to this he's in high and low he's in throne of blood he's in like so many of his movies toshiro mifune who actually hey here's an extra bonus piece of things of bonus piece of things uh, yeah just about mifune um star wars in general 
George Lucas was hugely inspired by Kurosawa movies and, and samurai movies in general, specifically Kurosawa stuff. And the Jedi originally were supposed to be very much like samurai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like the way that they fought was like Kendo and everything right. like that in the original trilogy. And it got more advanced as it went on, even and in the original. they were originals. only interested about money. Yeah. Or in money. Exactly. And My then grammar is just off today. Specifically, uh, George Lucas wanted Toshiro Mifune to play old Ben Kenobi. But he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to come out of retirement or he didn't want to. Co- I think he was still doing movies, but he just didn't want to come to America to do right. a movie, which That's I think they actually did it crazy. in London. But he just didn't want to travel out of Japan. He didn't want right. to travel for this movie that everyone thought was going to fail, basically. Makes sense. But one of my favorite artists, Paolo Rivera, has done a painting of Mifune as Obi-Wan. And right. it's so cool. Oh, I got to check that out it's later. It's like basically gray hair, Yojimbo. Right. And it's very good. That's dope. I used to think his name was Yojimbo. It's not. And actually, did I write that down? I did not. Here's another piece of trivia about Yojimbo. <laughs> Yojimbo means the bodyguard. Oh. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. So Akira it Kurosawa. Makes it sound, I mean, Jimbo. I, that, hey, that, Jimbo. It just makes me. It, I hate Jimmy that Neutron. it's called Yojimbo, to be honest, because I just can never take the name seriously. Just call it the bodyguard. Jimbo. But then you think of the Whitney Houston movie, The Bodyguard. I don't, actually, because I've never and seen it. It's the it was that song was written for that movie, <laughs> Kevin Costner. Uh, I'm gonna read this actual fact now. Okay. Um, Akira Kurosawa told Toshiro Mifune, star of the movie, uh, that his character was like a wolf or a dog, and told Tatsuya Nakadai, who I, I I think that's the guy who played um, Uno, right? Um, that his character was like a snake. Inspired by his direction, Mifune came up with Sanjiro's trademark shoulder twitch, similar to the way a dog or wolf tries to get off fleas. Yeah. I love that tick. Yep. It's so good. Very cool, yeah. It's just the smallest thing, but it just is like... You don't realize it until it's pointed out, but then you're like, oh, yeah, of course that was there. It's just so... It's just this weird little thing that just makes him seem so tough. Yeah. It's interesting. But also gives you like, uh, it makes him seem, seem a bit more human and like you're connected to him and like, yeah. you know. You and then for Uno, ground. the fact that he's supposed to be like a snake, that that was Kurosawa's point of view. Right. I can totally see that come across in the movie too. 100%. Because he's this like slick, clean, but right. slimy, gross guy. Yep. Yeah. And it's very good. There's even a line alluding to that kind of where they talk yeah. about like, he's a handsome young man, but he's got, he's the devil inside. <laughs> yeah. Like something like that. Yep. Um, the massive amount of dust scene blown around was, at, which is a, you know, a staple of these old samurai right, movies, right. Um, was actually imported by the truckload from an abandoned firing range. I wondered about that. When the wind machine started, it was nearly impossible for the actors to keep their eyes open because they were being engulfed in dust. When Tatsuya Nakarai was shooting his death scene over the course of three days, the combination of the fake blood and the blowing dust made him break out in hives that lasted for weeks after filming. Wow. Dedication to your craft. Yeah. Jeez. There is in Ghost of Tsushima, which we should hook the PS4 up after this and see if I can use a controller because I miss that game so much after watching these movies. Um, Or just let me play it. And watch you do some stuff. Yeah. Honestly, I'd I'd be excited about that. Um, There is a mode in Ghost of Tsushima called Kurosawa mode. Right. You start up the game and you get to choose your experience. And you can turn on Kurosawa mode, which is Japanese voice lines. And it, yeah, for one, it's got Japanese voice lines. Weirdly, at the E3 footage, they talked about the Japanese voice track. And it looked like the vocal animations all matched up to it. But that's pretty cool. Now the game comes out and it's just like it's weird it's 
it's the ultimate sin. It's subs and dubs Oof. because it's like the uh, English animations, but right. it's Japanese. That's unfortunate. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing is that you can turn on the rest of Akira Kurosawa mode at any time, which basically means that it puts a filter over the audio to make it sound like an old Japanese movie, and it um, increases the wind and weather oh, intensity awesome. in the entire game and puts a cool contrast, high contrast black and white filter with grain over that the entire thing. That is amazing. Thing. I got to see that. It looks fantastic. Yeah. And I, so I turn cool. it on and off every once in a while, which it's, it looks beautiful, but then the game itself is just so gorgeous that it's, right. it's hard to keep it on for too long. Yep. Um, I also never didn't have my headset, so I didn't feel like I was getting the full um, right. experience with the sound and everything because it does get a little bit more muffled. You don't get as much of a full range of audio because right. it's trying to emulate the movies as much as possible. Yep. It's interesting. Even the camera work in the game just when you're playing tries to like really emulate it it's right it makes sense a real love letter to those uh movies um okay now the ones for dollars when clint eastwood arrived on the set which we used you know in italy right um when clint eastwood arrived on the set he was struck by how little the italian crew and writers knew about the american west they were filming about for example, he had to point out that coonskin caps were worn by frontiersmen and trappers in the Davy Crockett era, circa the 1820s, not gunfighters and townsmen in the American West in Mexico in the 1870s, as the script writers had written. See, this is why I feel like we should all just be a little bit more chilled out when someone makes a mistake about like a little cultural thing like this, because I feel like everyone... Like this, this just goes to show everyone makes the same mistakes, and no one's doing it with any you know yeah. harm in mind. But, but... And it's Get also, somebody who knows about it right. to be a consultant, okay, and then you sure. can fix all those things easily. Right. Yeah, but like everyone it's, it's, makes it's, mistakes, but you know, yeah. but also important things shouldn't be right. So mistooken. Okay, if possible. We're, we're, if talk, possible. We're, we're taking two different things here. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> also, I was going to point out that that's what I was like referring to a little bit with like maybe I, I don't get everything that's going on with the Yojimbo movie because like maybe I don't know some of like the tropes and like the, the traditional things around it, like being a samurai you know yeah because like, like I mean, cowboy you know that's you something have, that I thought about with like I've delved into this kind of yeah. stuff a lot like and it's interesting with Lone Wolf and Cub there's a lot of the the manga which actually has also been made into seven movies that inspired Kill Bill oh nice true fact um they're really fun they're like that's the 1970s era of samurai right. movies and it's like exaggerated and awesome <laughs> love that um really interesting visual stuff in that movie in those movies um but there's like so many words that just don't translate so there's a dictionary in the back of right. all of these like different things and cultural things and like to explain it and give these more context um and it's really interesting uh reading a whole like translated manga from like front to back that's like from a long time ago because these movies came out in the 70s right it's like this is a really old comic book that's dope which is wild to think about it looks amazing yeah I'll, you should actually check it out it's really cool I have to finish it first though it's a problem <laughs> they keep holding they're really hard to get a hold of these right. little omnibuses so every time they become available Tim who runs Rainbow manages Rainbow Comics right will order it for me so I've just got slowly a stack of these things building in my box love that as they become available somewhere that's it's great. great um Sergio Leone warmed to Clint Eastwood very quickly and joked that he had only two expressions, with hat or without hat. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Because it's true. It is a bit true. Yeah. Oh, man. Try with hat this time. <laughs> oh, boy. 
I did like that he was without hat at the final confrontation. Right. Um, Clint Eastwood recalled, I've never been to Italy. I've never been to Spain. I've never been to Germany. I've never been to any of the countries co-producing this film. The worst I can come out of this is a nice little trip. I'll go over there and learn some stuff. I'll see how other people make films in other countries. That's really cool. Because this is the early days for Clint Eastwood. This was right. like his first starring role. He was in TV westerns before this. Yep. And it really shows that he's interested in the directing and all of the different filmmaking process, which he then goes on to be a fantastic director right. and filmmaker overall. Absolutely. He's done some amazing work and some very okay stuff and some, eh, but right. he's one of my favorite directors, which is a weird thing to think about going all the way back to this. Right. Definitely. So I like that fact. That's why I put that in there. Um, okay. Here's the big interesting comparison fact. Okay. Um, okay, so A Fistful of Dollars is a remake of Yojimbo, which itself was based on the as-of-yet-unadapted 1929 novel Red Harvest by Dashiell Hammett, who wrote The Maltese Falcon. That is pretty insane right there. Yes, it is. Uh, in fact, this movie's U.S. release was delayed when Yojimbo screenwriters Akira Kurosawa and Ryuzu Kikushima uh, sued the filmmakers for breach of copyright. Uh, rightfully so. They didn't give any kind of, you know, <laughs> right. de- uh, deference to it at all. It mm-hmm. was just, this is my movie. There's all kinds of... Uh, marketing for this movie is yeah. like this is the first movie of its kind and it's not going to be the last they've right. never seen a movie like there's never been a western there's never been something like this before and it's like literally a no one has ever this movie that came out three years ago in yeah. a camera it's like this is the same movie came out three years ago and it was better <laughs> this is right. not the first one um uh, they sued the filmmakers for breach of copyright Kurosawa and Kikushima won and as a result received 15% of this movie's worldwide gross and exclusive distribution rights for Japan, Taiwan and South Korea Kurosawa has said that he made more money off of this movie than he did on Yojimbo that's insane that's hilarious yeah. I love that so that's and the big thing there it, but yeah so then the interesting thing with that is that The Magnificent Seven which has been remade again as The Magnificent Seven right. yep. with Chris Pratt. And yeah, um, it was, a, it was yeah. an okay movie. Yeah. Um, the classic Magnificent Seven with Yul Brenner and uh, Steve McQueen from the 60s as well. Right. It's a remake of Seven Samurai, yep. a previous um, uh, Kurosawa movie. Right. And which kind of originated this idea of the village in danger hires people to help and fend yep. off the attackers, which is a trope that's been done a million times now. Mandalorian. Mandalorian did it. Um, which, hey, again, Mandalorian inspired by watch that Lone other, Wolf and Cub. Yeah, I want to watch that episode Samurai. again. Um, but that is the reason that Seven Samurai, or Magnificent Seven specifically has in the credits um, that it's like a remake or inspired by right. Seven Samurai. <laughs> because, kind of you know, legal battle and everything right, like that. Right. Um, the funny thing then is that... Um, Gosh, what I, I wrote down the quote. Right. Akira Kurosawa specifically sent a letter to uh, Mifune. Not Mifune. Um, to, um, you know, the one. Yeah. Um, Leone. Right. Um, and this is the opening line of the letter. He And I, I love that he's Signore Leone. <laughs> he actually did the Italian one. Right. Um, I have just had the chance to see your film. It is a fine film, but it is my film. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. which is I love that. Yeah, that's great because he wasn't like the all-time greatest guy at that time. He right, was right. getting some like imagine like Christopher Nolan making The Prestige. Like this is his right. third, fourth movie. Yeah, so, like he's getting quite a bit of buzz. But it's not like he's the hugest guy of all time. Right. So he's getting all this buzz. He's people are talking about him. So Leone gets this letter and he's going around touting it to everyone that he got a letter from Akira Kurosawa, right, even right. though it's like a cease and desist. That's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> so that's what I have to say about that. That is IMDb trivia. Heck yeah. So Ben, we got one more segment in the show. One more segment in the show. It's what are you been looking at? You are very musical today. Yeah. I- well, I have to do that every episode. That's what I do for this part. Oh, okay. Um, what have I been lo- uh, looking at recently? Um, I mean, I don't. Not too much. I have an extensive Nothing... list. Oh, wow. Go ahead then. So, because I broke my body, I was kind of laid up for a while. Because the first few days, like I'm pretty much in no pain now. Right. Like every once in a while, it'll spike, but like ninety percent of the time, I'm totally fine. The first few days or the first week or so was just like constant aching i was on painkillers all the time so i spent like all of my time watching movies and tv right so i went through a lot of things um i watched i started out by watching um a few like dc animated things i watched a lot of batman the animated series we watched a ton of batman the animated series i watched courtesy of tim uh almost every single dc animated movie in their current um continuity which is right. like 15 movies 15 animated movies yeah and they vary wildly in quality <laughs> right some of them are really really cool and really good yeah some of them are so bad <laughs> that's yeah it's intense there's actually in the other room batman ninja which is the anime oh, batman one wow i didn't i couldn't do it yeah that uh i it, the trailer makes it look really really gross. cool it looks awesome but yeah, then but, i started yeah, watching the title it is batman ninja yeah Titles can be bad, though. Yeah. But, like... Ford vs. Really Ferrari is a terrible title for a movie. That's a great point. The original title was uh, whatever year that that race took place was Le Mans that year. Right. Which makes a lot more sense, because that's what it's about. But, you know, I don't know. It's fine. Um, I could point out a lot of horrible titles. <laughs> a Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, pretty bad. Not a great title. The, for a few dollars more. Not a great title. It's a clever title, but... Yeah. It's because the first one was stupid. But it's also not connected to it at all. Except yeah. that it's maybe the same character. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I watched like a crap load of those movies. Uh, um, I watched like the first four seasons of regular show over again because it's all on HBO Max. There's like nine seasons of regular show. So I'm super excited to actually go back and watch all of these things that I never saw of one of my favorite shows of all time. It's great. Um, I've never have seen it. I watched all of Doom Patrol up until the current day that it's coming out. I watched in one day An American Werewolf in London, a great movie. Right. Again, not a great title, but also a title that I kind of love. (laughs) Yeah. It's so perfectly ridiculous, and so is the movie. Um, Right after that, I went to The Exorcist. Nice. None of these had I seen before. Right. The Exorcist, let me tell you, wild ending did not expect it to go the way it did at all <laughs> yeah it was insane i've not seen it either can i tell you uh i mean i kind of want to watch it okay then i won't tell you because it's just if you're if you're gonna watch it i'll watch it then you need to see sure. it it's on yeah. hbo max okay I'll, I'll take a look at it apparently exorcist 3 yeah really underrated <laughs> surprising <laughs> okay. surprising you would think that you, horror 
franchises are the worst because they make they really a good are. one and then they just make a thousand more right. that are all the same and they're all terrible. Yeah. So you don't expect the third Exorcist movie to be surprisingly great. That's a good point. Apparently I, it is, I wouldn't though. have thought that. There yeah. are five movies in the Exorcist series. Oh, boy. And two of them are technically the same movie. That's gross. Yeah. Um, so are a lot of scenes in The Exorcist. <laughs> Legit, the thing that freaked me out the most in that movie is just the scene in the hospital where they were doing regular hospital stuff. Like right. they had, because they were examining the girl's brain who's right. possessed and everything. Oh, I hate and that they, kind of they stuff. And they were doing, I could, um, they had to put an IV or something yeah. in her neck. And it was like realistic, like little blood spurts and everything. And it's the tiniest amount of blood spurting, but it's coming out of the neck and it's I, coming out of this tube. I will say this. I, I'm, I'm not the most squeamish person. I'm not the yeah. toughest person, but for I could never, like unless it was like a life or death situation, mm-hmm. I couldn't give somebody a shot. Like, oh yeah! Or like like put like that needle and like force. I could shoot him with a gun. Skin. I could do that because I'm no, no, but I, I, I think it's easier to shoot somebody with a gun than to stab them. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? You get that separation. Yeah, and it's it's also just like tick, it's like a one you you do one thing yeah. and with a sword. It's a full body of motion and like you have yeah. to give it your all to actually like make it happen. Whereas with a gun, you could be like ah, I don't know, bang, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I watched Prisoners, which Ooh. is directed by Denis Villeneuve. Who is you just one of the them? greatest? Like window or what? Nope. Just see him. It is. He is one of the greatest directors of all time. Right. He is insanely good. Everything he's done has been fantastic. He did one or two that I thought were just okay, but he's amazing. He did Blade Runner twenty forty nine. This okay. movie is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman and Hugh Jackman. Terrence Howard, who plays Rhodey in the first Iron Man movie yep. before he's recast. Yep. And bring it back is the real Rhodey, so, not my Rhodey. So intense. Yeah. It is incredibly good. I think you would really, really like this movie. I'll take a look. It's also on HBO Max. All the HBO Max goodness. Yeah, I was. That's basically what HBO all of Max this is. Sponsor us. Actually, all of these are HBO Max. Wow. Um. So yeah, that's what I've been watching, and awesome. that's our show. That pretty much is our show. Yep. Yes. If you enjoyed the episode, cool. Thanks. Tell us about this has been it. The on... longest show that we've had. Ever. Is it like an hour and a half now? One hour thirty-one minutes, and actually, excuse me, exactly one hour and thirty-two minutes. Ooh. Ooh, get ready for the Lord of the Rings episode. Oh boy! Yeah, I'm gonna do like orchestration for it and everything. That'd be amazing. It's gonna be I great. I love that. I will um, have more energy on that one too. Yeah, if you like the show, uh, we'd love to hear from you about it. You can find us on the internet. We have uh, Ben and Marshall do a podcast on Instagram, as well as the Great Scub do on Twitch and YouTube. We don't do as much streaming these days because I can't hit the WASD keys. That's um, true. So that's unfortunate. Maybe yeah. I, maybe Ben will stream on the channel with the boys. Who knows? Maybe I will. We'll find out. Um, uh, but we put stuff there every once in a while. I've been wanting to get back to that, and then I broke my arm apart. So it might be a bit. You can also email us at benandmarshallpod at gmail.com. And I'm at mparish underscore art on Instagram. Ben? Uh, I'm Ben with the lens. Uh, it's kind of spelled weird, but if you search that, I'll show up. Yeah, and you can also look at who we follow on the Ben and Marshall Do right. Podcast page on Instagram. I guess I should, I should clarify there. my username isn't specifically Ben with the lens. There, that's another guy. I DM'd him to see if I could buy his username. Really? Uh, and now we're really good friends, but he didn't want to sell it. What a jerk. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but now he asks me all the camera questions, so I give him as much advice as I can. Oh, that's If you want camera advice, nice. feel free to DM me. Um, uh, also, but if you're going to ask me what camera you should get, just feel free not to because uh, the internet is better and I, yeah. it's going to be way better than asking me and everyone asks me that and the Google is a thing and you could Google it. Uh, okay, anyway, sorry. Yeah. So that's our socials. If you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you, hear what you thought of the show. Um, and, you know, if you can share it, that would be hugely helpful. Word of mouth is the best form 
of marketing. So if you like the show, tell your friends about hey, it. Hey, if you if you like if you got a finger on your hand, well, share this with your three best friends. Yeah, who also have fingers on their hands. Do it. It's a great time. And yeah, you know, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a rating. No, Maybe. definitely do that. We should start reading. If if someone leaves a review, we will read. We it. will read it live on 100%. the podcast yeah. as the cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a true fact. So, thanks for listening that's to the it. show. I've it's been over. Marshall. We're done. I'm. Oh, I've been. We have to. That was terrible. <laughs> it really <laughs> I'm gonna, was. I'm gonna. Okay, we're gonna take a moment. Yeah, yeah. And then we're gonna do another run on that. Okay, I'm gonna cut this good. out. <laughs> or, or we could leave this part. Or in. we could leave this in. Right. We'll see. Okay, well, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, I've been Marshall. And I've been. Nice. (laughs) The show is over. It is done. I have had a little bit of fun. Yeah. My name is... No, it's over. Okay.